Hello, my name is Daniel Kelly, and this is May Contain, the podcast breaking the stigma of what it's really like living with a severe food allergy. I have lived with a peanut allergy since I was five, so I'll be talking about the different situations I've come across over the last 20 years living with food allergy, whether that's dating, going out with your friends, living abroad. Hopefully give you guys like a really good insight into what it's like living with food allergy. Hello guys, and welcome back to the 24th episode of Make and Take. Honestly, I can't believe we've done this many episodes. Honestly, when I started, I thought I'd do like five or 10, then I'd be like, oh, I've run out of guests, but um, keep finding all these interesting guests, and I honestly really enjoy the podcast. So on this week's episode of Make and Take, I'm joined by Charles Byrne, and he has developed an algae app called Algae with an I. And I thought there's been a massive surge of algae apps recently. So I thought it'd be great to kind of get Charles on the podcast to kind of find out kind of the inspiration behind the analogy app for people with severe allergies when they go into restaurants, they can kind of go through the, the different restaurants to make sure if the dish contains any of their allergens. And I actually remember like back in November 2019, I did a talk at the Food Matters Live event. And one of the discussions which we kind of got talking about was whether I use algae apps. And back in November, I said, I've never used an algae app, but I do think it's good for kind of young people speaking up about it. And obviously young people being quite smartphone savvy at the times, um, it might be good for them to to, to use an algae app. And, and I do feel I'm coming around to algae apps a bit, I think a bit more now as well. Cause, and I do feel like algae apps are good that obviously you can kind of, filter through the restaurants and go through all the dishes and kind of filter through if it does contain any of your allergens but I also think it's so important as well and I've said on several kind of videos and like kind of like podcasts is that it's so important to kind of start that dialogue with the restaurant and I think the great thing when I was looking at the allergy app which Charles did was it does actually mention that um, to make sure you do start that dialogue with the customer and I've always said as well it's always good to kind of go with your gut feeling and I feel like that is so important definitely when you're kind of eating out of a restaurant if you feel like the staff just don't understand the kind of severities of your allergy just don't take that risk and and I feel with apps it's great that obviously the, the kind of information is there but also make sure that they're aware of your allergy as well so the chef does obviously cuts your food in maybe a separate part of the kitchen and I've kind of spoke to Charles as well, obviously, like who kind of inputs the information in the app as well. Because for me, there's always a concern if the app, and, and I think Natalie said it once um, at the Food Matters Live, is only as good as the information which is getting put into the app. Um, and I think I was speaking, to, I spoke very openly to Charles about this, and he said, obviously, at the minute there, we're putting that information. But yeah, I think it's so important um, if you can use the app. And then obviously speak to the staff. I think that's so important. And I've had that experiences before where you go into the restaurant and they do give you like a, a massive folder and it's like full of like 40 sheets of an Excel with, and you're trying to search for the allergens and the copy is usually so small. So I do think like the app is very good in that aspect that the information is a bit more legible. And you can kind of go through the dishes a bit more easily. I also think it's so important to always go with that gut feeling. Anyway, I feel like I've spoken up. Let's get to the podcast. Hope you guys really enjoy it. If you're new to Make and Tain and you really enjoyed it so far, like make sure if you can write me a review on iTunes, honestly, it means a lot. Anyway, let's get to the podcast. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Make and Tain. So I'm joined by Charles Byrne and a lot of you guys 
might remember Charles from being on The Apprentice in 2017. But since then, he's been very busy and recently launched um, an LG app. For a little bit of background about yourself, Charles, could you do a little like introduction? The simplest, the simple introduction is that I'm the archetypal entrepreneur that when I was 13, sold sweets on the school bus um, all the way through to um, when I was, well, I went to university, dropped out. And then the quick history is that I went and worked for Tesco on a store management program. And then I decided I got bored of that. So I then worked as a buyer in London for Tesco. Um, and that was over a two-year period, a year in each. Um, then I came back to, home to Manchester to help basically save my family business, which is retail jewellery. Um, we had 10 stores at the time and um, in, in all different areas of retail jewellery from like cost, uh, cost, more kind of middle market, Pandora, Thomas Arby, that kind of thing, yeah. up to Rolex and, and even below into like outlet stores and that sort of thing, um, kind of like Claire's accessories type scenario. Um, so I did that and then I was at a bit of a loss and this is probably why you want to ask me about this. <clears throat> and I, on a whim, quite literally on a morning, just saw on Facebook, there was like a last day to apply for The Apprentice. So I clicked it and it, five questions later and you know what happened there. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. And um, do you think like being, obviously like an amateur, like you mentioned as a kid, you was like selling sweets. Was that something, would you say was always like in your blood from a very young age? Yeah, hundred percent. So, um, as I said to you before, my family business in retail jewelry, it was founded by my grandfather who's still around and every, we're Jewish. So every Friday night we would have, um, normally a dinner. We have a dinner and normally family would come around, etc. And, um, always on the agenda. If I'm, I'm sat at that very table on, on the far right where I'm sat would be like my dad would sit, my grandpa and me, my brother and whatever. On the far left, the women would sit and that's just the way it was. It wasn't any misogyny, it was just the way it was. And um, we talked about business the whole time, what they did, I should say. My grandpa would say, well, how's the stores doing? And so it was almost literally like a board meeting as, as, as a dinner. And when you see that almost by osmosis, you start to develop a passion for it. And if you see the lifestyle that my family has created for itself, um, you'd, I personally didn't see any other way other than starting my own thing. Um, it was always going to happen for me. It's really interesting. Um, and I kind of really wanted to kind of talk about, obviously, your journey and so sat in like an algae app is do you have allergies or do you have intolerances how did that kind of journey start unfortunately for me i don't have allergies not that i'm aware of anyway um i grew up um like i think a lot of people thinking I ha my best buddy actually has every food allergy and other allergies under the sun right so i did have some understanding of it but i also i would i could eat anything when i was younger and it didn't, didn't make a difference so i kind of didn't understand it like most things if you're not around those things you don't understand it so i didn't really understand it and didn't understand why you know but when i was growing up sounds like forever away but it was like 20 years ago you know you didn't hear about intolerance you didn't hear about uh plant-based you didn't hear like it just was so i remember actually your next door neighbor two doors down was a vegan right that, and it was like what a weirdo like what an absolute weirdo and <laughs> you know what i mean it was, it was literally i didn't think that but that was the kind of general yeah, yeah, yeah. why would you do that to yourself cut off from having all this delicious meat and all this leather like what yeah that was kind of what that was the kind of zeitgeist at the time the kind of feeling and then what happened with me was about when was this actually coincided with the apprentice i think with stress and things and people i'm not the best to talk about because i'm not an expert but certainly stress has an impact on your gut and all these different things of yeah. course it does so I think that kind of was the catalyst for a lot of things. And then I was like, my stomach's not good. My, my bowel's not good. Like all these different things. And I'm like, what's going on here? And like, eventually I was like, you know what? I'm going to see a doctor and a gastro person and try and figure this out. 
I saw one and then I saw two and then I saw three. And eventually someone was like, maybe lactose intolerant, let's check it out. So we did and, and that, that, that turned out to be true. It would seem that, um, I don't know how much people know about this, but lactase is the enzyme that diagnoses lactose, which is the thing that's in milk, right? Okay. Milk allergen and lactose tolerance are different things, but, but that's getting a bit too technical. But anyway, so lactase, what happens is people like myself who come from a minority ethnic background tend to have smaller gene pools, right? So I'm from what's called an Ashkenazi Jewish background, which is European Jews. The, the ones that, escape, that move away from the Holocaust move to different countries, that, that's where I'm from, okay. like Polish and Russian and things. But our gene pool, because we're Jewish, is smaller than we can't, I say we can't, we don't generally just marry anyone, we marry someone that's Jewish, so the gene pool is much, much tighter. Because of that, we don't have as much lactase to diagnose lactose. So we're, if this is the line of where you can diagnose, we like hover just above the line, whereas okay. the average British person will be here, they've got plenty. And what happens is if you, are, if you are ill or have, it could be a cough or a cold, you can just go below and you can never get it back. So far, that's what I've been told. Yeah. So that happened with me. So there was, I was perfectly fine with milk and everything else forever. And all of a sudden I wasn't. And then um, the journey basically goes like this. That kind of helped a bit, you know, and back then again, it wasn't almond. This was a few years ago, almond milk, oat milk. It was really, they weren't really around. Oatly certainly wasn't a big thing like it is now in these things. And so what did I do? I don't know what I did actually. I just avoided milk. I didn't really have much anyway. So I just avoided it. I could. And then I was like, still, my stomach's not good. What the hell's going on here? And then a friend of mine was a celiac again. I only knew of a celiac who was a teacher of mine when I was 15. I didn't really know what it was. Um, and I was like, okay, what's this all about? It's like, well, it means, you know, you can't have gluten. I'm like, what the hell's gluten? And like, this is what I'm saying. I didn't have a clue. Yeah. You're curious. You ask the right questions or some questions, not always the right questions, some questions. And eventually he's like, well, just do you get bloating and flatulence and all these things? I'm like, yeah, I do, I do. He's like, well, maybe try taking gluten now. And I'm like, whatever. And then eventually a few months later, I'm like, all right, let's, let's check this thing out. I did, and that, that cured, it helped me a little bit more. But even to this day, like I was saying the other day, like I still, I'm not where I want to be. There's still something else. I don't know what it is. I'm going to lose something or whatever. You're kind of learning as you go along, like, of what, taking certain elements out and then to see, right, is this working? And then kind of going forward from that. Without a question, without. And, and I do remember the one thing where I had anything close to anaphylactic shock, or that I really know what that is personally, was I had this, like, Hadrian Wells, like, flavoured water. I remember drinking it in my mum's car. I know exactly where I was in those situations. Yeah. And my throat was like, I, I couldn't breathe. And I couldn't, my throat was closing up. And quite possibly I was allergic to something there, but didn't really go into it in much depth and wasn't yeah. hospitalized, thankfully, and it was okay. But I don't have, I can manage these things. So if I really, really wanted to, could I have some cheesecake and whatever? Yeah. But I know I'm paying heavily the next for me it's the next day it feels like morning sickness again i'm not had morning sickness but i imagine that's what it is yeah. where you just feel horrible and like all these things Gross, yeah so so then moving on to how allergy came about so yeah again it was just this natural curiosity i was like i don't feel right what's going on i don't feel right what's going on and continue 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 and then um there's a point in time when i was eating out and i was like there was a it was actually in a food court and there was um this sign about allergies and whatever and it's a grid system I remember looking at it, I'm like, this is so poxy and nonsense. I've got to like go like a weird and go this and that. And, and so many restaurants still do that as well. You know, when you go to a restaurant and they give you, um, I remember one of them giving me this folder and it had about 100 A4 pieces of paper with an Excel sheet and um, all the ingredients were all in different papers. So I, it, took, it took you 20 minutes then to go through. And by that point, you're like, I'm not even hungry. <laughs> Look, Nando's are one of the, one of the worst at that. Um, and, and, and our Weatherspoons are, are Weatherspoons currently, last time I checked, had a PDF that is 147 pages long. 
God, like, like, come on, mental, like yeah. what are you doing? And, and Nando's, they give you this whole pamphlet folder and it's like, again, six, seven pages deep and you've got a queue behind you. It's not convenient and it's yeah. not great. And, and so, yeah, it was basically that. And I was like, there's got to be an app for this. There's got to be some technology that can improve this. Again, that natural curiosity and just wanting to know how I could uh, improve my life. Yeah. I was like, there wasn't. At that point, there was nothing. So I'm like, all right, this has got some legs. And then, you know, slowly but surely, um, I got more into the community, quote unquote, and, and, and saw the value of it. I talked to various people at Best Put in the States. And I remember the response I got back. So I've always started business and done ideas, come up with ideas and stuff. And normally, if you get a 60 to 70% people are like, this is cool, right? You, whatever. This was like 98, 99%. And it wasn't just like, this is a good idea. It was like, did you come up with this? Because this is the best thing I've ever come across. Like, this wasn't yeah. me. And I'm like, okay. And then you start hearing that a few times. You're like, hmm, maybe this is good. Like, really, really good. Yeah. And then, so I just threw myself more into it. And then hopefully you've seen what, where it is now. And it's, yeah. um, it's only day one or day minus one, right? So it's going to move on a lot, lot further. Yeah. But the reviews we've had already, like the one that makes me most kind of, uh, I don't know what the word is, um, happy, I guess about what I've achieved is that somebody who had, I don't know who this person is at all. There's no association who has two children who have different food allergies. Like it's a long review, but the, 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 the word, the P that I'll take out of it is basically she says that it makes me tearful that someone has put so much time and effort. In. I've actually got, um, I've actually got the review in my notes actually. It says, um, this is part of the tour. It's when it's actually so good. It made me feel tearful that someone has taken on board the difficult, difficulties people have when eating out with allergies they've gone to so much time and effort to make life easier for allergy sufferers um and i love the reminder to still fog up with allergies with a waiter which i thought was a really important aspect to the to the app when i when i downloaded it and signed up to it was you got reminders to say don't forget to inform your server about your dietary requirements or allergens which i think is so important as well like that the app is is an es- like essential obviously it makes it easier to kind of search your allergens but i also think it's so important to have, still have that dialogue with the waiter to make sure they do speak up about their allergy it's i was on the allergy free from show last week and, and they asked me about this and i couldn't be more clear and firm on this like i don't care if you use my my product a different person technology whatever else there is never and should never be a replacement for that human connection because um even if your data is 100 accurate like I don't know and know there's any tech and someone that does, you should really question them and really be careful because I think they're talking out of their behind is that how can I know with a hundred percent certainty that even if the data is a hundred percent accurate, even if the kitchen prepared to the exact specifications, how do I know that chef's not just prepared a dish with nuts or just eaten some nuts or had some fish or, or dropped it, whatever. I don't know that. I can't know that. And, and so, it is a tool, it's a time-saving, time-saving measure whilst you're at the restaurant, it's a research tool. And so, you know, the real idea is, is that rather than looking at 100 items and those horrible um, sheets you're talking about and that horrible yeah. awkwardness, all of a sudden you just ask the waiter, waitress, hey, and I've checked on this app and there's these three dishes that are nut-free. Can you, one, confirm they're nut-free, and two, I'll have this one, please make sure that you, you're aware I've got a nut allergy, it's very serious, and then therefore they go down the correct procedures that they ought to to segregate food and all, all the different things that they ought to do from that respect. There's also a really crucial thing here, which I've been thinking about recently, which is one of the first jobs most people have 
we might do a post round or whatever, is often hospitality. It's often waiter waitressing at an event, might be for some spare cash for an agency or it might be at yeah. a restaurant. What people don't understand is that the waiter, waitress or server are responsible for taking that order. What does that actually mean? What that actually means is if someone like yourself, myself, whatever, thankfully I'm not in that category, so I believe, has an anaphylactic shock, God forbid, right? That waiter waitress can be prosecuted for manslaughter charges. We don't understand that. That's yeah. unbelievably serious, right? Should we be putting that weight of responsibility on someone earning probably between eight and 10 pounds an hour, who's their first job? Yeah. Doesn't seem fair to me. Doesn't seem at all fair. And so I'm trying to use this app from both the restaurant side and the diner side to help education because one, the person who's ordering has to have responsibility for their own, own self and explain, obviously, what's going on. But two, that restaurateur and or chef or whomever the person in charge there is paid a salary. And part of that is they need to make sure if someone says, you need, this needs to have no nuts in it because you've told me that, it needs to have no nuts in it. And they should have the responsibility on their shoulders. It shouldn't be the person to say that's just new to the job, that's their first job ever. Because if everyone, if people actually knew as a waiter waitress that you could be done for manslaughter, you go work in Tesco's instead. You want to take yeah. that risk. It's a horrible risk to have associated. And as I say, it's thankfully and hopefully in very, very um, minuscule amount of circumstances, but we shouldn't be putting that pressure on people. It's not fair. Yeah, I think it's a massive, I've always said it's like definitely restaurants is such a massive turnaround as well of like staff starting so i think this should i've always felt like there should be like a kind of educational side to like make them aware i think from a for restaurants point of view it's like they always do kind of start that dialogue with the the customer to ask about allergies because i think 60 percent i did an instagram poll about last year and 60 percent didn't feel confident to speak up about the allergy which i thought was absolutely like crazy that like a lot of young people just didn't feel empowered to kind of speak up about their allergy um and at the time when someone asked me about the allergy app, um, what was my initial thoughts on it? And this was going back last year. And basically I was like, I've never used apps before. Um, I do think it's so important to more so empower young people to speak up about the allergy first. But I've, I think I've come around to the idea of apps that, yeah, still speak up, but you can also use the app as well to make it more accessible for young people to maybe double check the allergies because like I said, they don't always speak about their allergy, but they've always got a smartphone in the hand as well. So I think it's a nice balance that, that hopefully they do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I think the two things need to be done in sync. And, you know, talking about people not being comfortable discussing the allergies and stuff, well, the last thing you want to do then is see on a website which says, hey, call us by your allergies before you come there. And you've got to spend 30 minutes on the phone explaining this, that, and the other. Like, what this app does is it removes a lot of that. And so if you, if you see on the, on the app that the restaurant doesn't cater, then you don't have to call up and go X, Y, Z and all these things. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm very, very, very passionate, as you probably will gather. This business will be a very successful business, there's no question. But the success is not just about what the returns are to in a financial sense. Like there's a real passion and purpose behind what we're doing here. And I'm hoping and I'm seeing actually that it speaks through to restaurateurs that are signing up and also from um, diners that are, that are looking at it and going, actually, like the, the, the real root of this is to make this better for both restaurateurs and diners. 
and both, both, right? And that education is really important. So we're aligning ourselves with partners that are going to be able to go in and help restaurants and, and waiters and waitresses and also the back of house to understand how to work and associate with people with allergen intolerances and uh, remove this stigma and remove this, oh, they're a pain in the arse, they're the fussy one. Um, and actually go, you know what? Like, we, we need to be an inclusive society. And I think now more than ever, we're seeing that with the Black Lives Matter campaign. I'm not at all associating these two things for people to twist my words. But inclusivity is really important. And, you know, whether it's a mental health condition, a physical health condition, or a race, religion, or yeah. freedom, like, we're all the same. As I said to you before, we all wipe our bum the same way, not trying to trivialize yeah. it. Do. And so, you know, a restaurant saying, we don't want you because you are slightly complex in what you, how you want to eat and whatever. Like those sort of places, what we've got to start doing as society is voting with our wallets and don't go eat there. Yeah. And don't, don't go. And, and, you know, it really riles me when I hear people saying, oh, Mike Ashley's a horrible guy. He's a billionaire. He uses zero hour contracts, all the rest of it. The first thing is it's all legal what he does, right? Zero hour contracts, right? They're legal. Maybe we need to talk to the government and say, why are those things legal? That's, that, that's detrimental yeah. to society. But more so, if you're buying your football shirt, your athletic gear from Sports Direct, and I'm not just chatting them out, I'm just saying, for example, versus the local store or whomever, what message are you sending to yourselves? And, and a lot of the time, your daughter or son or whatever might be working there, someone that you know, and yeah. you really don't like the way they're treated. But yet you're still, as I say, like, like a vote in a, in a ballot box with your wallet. And I get, don't get me wrong, that sometimes the price is a big factor, but more and more that's becoming less and less, right? Yeah, I think Generation Z now are, are being a lot more, and like millennials are being a, a lot more kind of like vocal, like that they want to know like where, for example, fashion, like where where the source has come from and like the sustainability of the fabric and stuff, which I think, and, and if you kind of bring that into the algae world as well, like you said, like if restaurants are not taking your algae serious then speak up about it. And I did it, I did it recently on Twitter, actually. I went to um, Honest Burger and I had a burger and it said it contained nuts and um um, I like tweeted about this because it wasn't labeled clearly on the algae menu. Um, anyway, so I basically, the staff said it contained nuts. So basically I tweeted them like, why is this not on the algae menu? Saying that it this this dish contains nuts. It's not on the algae menu whatsoever. Um, it got a lot of attraction. Um, basically they turned around and was like, the dish is nut free. I was like, why is your staff telling me it's got nuts in it? And there's a massive kind of educational bit there. Um, and I do think I, I, I do think it's great with the app, like um, with the algae app, um, obviously using that as a platform to obviously make sure that the dishes are free from the allergens. It'd be, it'd be, it'd be a really interesting whether you wanted to do like an educational part to it of like how do you start that dialogue with 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 the um, with the, the waiter or the bar staff, and and I think and that and that's kind of my opinion. I think from from my experience and stuff, I think it's great that you've created an, an app which tells you the, the, the top 40 allergens in the dishes, but I think it'd be great if there was an education or you did work with allergy advocates where they could share their experiences to be like, this is how we speak about their algae. Makes it a bit more relatable then kind of thing. No, I totally agree with you. And um, I was talking, for example, with, um, I think you had her on your podcast also, and I think this is how you pronounce her name, uh, Talina Houghton or, or yes. Houghton. Yeah, that's funny. Um, and um, her story is amazing and how she's turned around from 15 anaphylactic hospitalizations in a space of like four months or something crazy to turning that platform for a positive, positive use. And, 
Yeah, I think you're dead right in, in terms of we're, we're certainly looking at educating the restaurants. We've got partners and people that will, will do that on our behalf as well. But um, the point you raised about the diner, I hadn't thought about to just mention it and I've just written it down, but it's very important as to how should the diner or the, the, the parent who's responsible for the child or whomever, or maybe it's a school trip or whatever, how do they know how to approach this in, in the correct yeah. manner? That's really important. And I hadn't considered it, so I really, really thank you. And uh, yeah, yeah. people need to come on. It's gone, sorry. And I think, yeah, no, no, I appreciate that. And I, th- I think as well, uh, on the app, um, I've seen a lot of kind of big organisations on the app. Well, you, you talk about like your Nando's and your McDonald's and your, and your KFC. Going forward, would you be working with more kind of small independent restaurants where, because I think with small independent restaurants, sometimes you do feel like they take your algae a bit more seriously because they're not like the big corporations and they have a bit more time to kind of sit down and, and find out about the severity of the allergies. Absolutely. So um, the reason we started with the bigger players is very, very simple. It's just so that people could see a, a food establishment, let's call them that, in their local area, right? Because they have yeah. much coverage. Um, but no, certainly I, I as one, I talked about my business background before and I'm not disputing the value and the, and, and the importance of large enterprise. But particularly in the restaurant space, the small medium companies, the small restaurants that are family run, like they are just phenomenal. And that's like yeah. the backbone of our economy. Like the stats are, and I could be slightly wrong here, that um, I think 50 plus percent of the workforce is employed by companies less than 250 people. And those companies bring in two trillion pounds a year in income to the UK, wow. which is 60% of, of all the income. Uh, GDP. People don't understand that. Like they think, you know, because we're reading about the restaurant group and we're reading about all these different companies. It's the small ones, really, that is where most people are employed and where most yeah. actual money comes from. And for me, I'm, I'm a big, big advocate of independent business, of being an entrepreneur and helping yeah. others, others. So we're doing all sorts of things. How can we help restaurants right now, for example, to give an idea? We've waived our monthly fees till 2021 to give restaurants, uh, independent restaurants particularly, a chance to have the benefits of the app and using it and from a legal standpoint, from a bringing in more, more footfall standpoint, all these things without any cost. And, you know, I'm not doing that as a purely, oh, it's a marketing campaign and it's whatever. It's because I actually give a hoot about these people and these companies yeah. and these individuals because I come from that background. I, I've, you know, my family business is, is now uh, employs six, seven people and we have to, during this furlough period, it's been very difficult and these bounce back loans. And, that, and I've, again, had to go through making hundred people have done it before and all these things. And it's very difficult when yeah. you know that the family is not just a few hundred people. It's a few, it's a few thousand when you add on all the uh, dependents and, and yeah. people. So yeah, it's really important to be answer your question. Um, independence will be the lifeblood of it. They will, we are not going, Oh, because you're a big company, we're not interested. It's not like that. Yeah. But yeah, the only reason it's like business sense on it to get the big corporations involved. And then yeah. it makes business sense, financial sense, but also just for the start to give it some, uh, some sort of way for to look at the app, I suppose across the country, it made sense to go after or not after that's the right terminology to work with the bigger players. Cause again, you know, yeah. if you're McDonald's, you got, I don't know, 2000 outlets, for me to speak to 2,000 individual owners at this point would be neon impossible. Yeah. So that, that was the only reason it's like the way it is right now. 
did, I did want to ask as well, in regards to the, the data on the app, is that inputted by the app itself or is that inputted by the actual restaurants? There's, there's different things. It, it, it depends on, on each each case is different, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, going forwards, though, um, the, the very much the approach will be that it will be the restaurant's responsibility. And yeah. as part of the, the contract that they're signing, part of that says they have to make sure the data is kept up to scratch. And it's yeah. no different from them keeping the data that they, they don't realize is a lot of them, but they legally have to have anyway uh, somewhere in their um, establishment. They don't always have this. Yeah. Same difference. So they just got to keep this up to date as to do with that. So again, that's an educational piece of a lot of restaurants. Seriously, they don't realize, again, the legal legalities of this, that they actually have to have the data to hand. It's not, not good enough to say, well, we think it's not got this. We think they have to have it. And if they don't, there's heavy fines for that. And of course, unfortunately, there are so many instances, too many to count of fatalities because of procedures not being followed, because of the information not being accurate. And that's from the restaurateurs themselves. So what we're looking to do is to be a value to them and to help them as well. We're not looking to be like an expose, like here's a really, ter- you know, it's not like that. We're going, ha- again, what you mentioned is a really good point. How can we educate the restaurateur? to see people with, who, are, who have any kind of dietary requirement, whatever that might be, yeah. as a customer. And the thing which people need to understand who are in the restaurant space is that that customer say it's you, if you're going out with a group of 10 friends, I'm pretty sure you're the one that decides where you go. You have a significant impact on where you go because Absolutely. you're the one that's got the requirements. So they're not losing one person's meal of 30 pounds, 40 pounds, whatever it is. They're using, losing 10. And that's what they have to understand. The really interesting thing um, is this: I did when I did this questionnaire, and I said, um, "If you had a really good experience with this restaurant, what's the chance of you going to that restaurant again?" And I think eighty-nine percent said they do. So, I, and the fact that's the thing with the, the food allergy community as well. Once they've had a really good experience at one restaurant, nine times out of ten they'll go there again. They're going to be more loyal than a person which doesn't have allergies because they'll probably go, "Oh, what well, I go to a different cuisine or." a different restaurant where when someone's got an allergy and they've had a really good experience, nine times out of 10, they're probably going to keep going to that same restaurant and you've got a loyal customer. And I think that's what a lot of restaurants are missing out on that. If you actually have a really good experience then they're probably going to go back over and over again and that's better business for you. Absolutely. And then and the other huge thing that I've seen with my app and with, with, with anything in the allergy community or any, any free from any requirement diet requirement community is people love to recommend stuff like hugely like they'll they'll go and they'll post about it or do whatever not for anything any game for themselves just like hey 10,000 celiacs like I found this great celiac cafe in Shoreditch or in this place or that place you got to go there like that to the restaurateur that could cost them 10 grand in, in, in marketing campaign all they've got to do is use an app like mine get it right educate their, their, their teams which they should be anyway by the way they should be anyway and make it inclusive and all of a sudden, from a business point of view, I mean, we're charging currently £10 plus fat a month per location, right, after the, the free room. It's nothing. It's three coffees, right? If they can't see the value in that, bringing more people in, very, very soon, most, a lot of people start to go, like you were saying, vote in their wallets. They'll go, do I want to go to someone that doesn't really care about the diners? Even if I'm not someone that's got requirements, I know someone that does. And again, I might be eating with that person that does. So you're not going to go to the place that's really quote unquote sloppy or, or really the experience is poor. Yeah. And again, we all know with restaurants that yes, food's very important, how tasty is and all the rest of it. 
But the biggest thing is actually the experience, right? And that and that's led by the the team, the front of house team, um, predominantly. Because if they get something wrong, there's hair on your food. How they then deal with that? Yeah. That story you tell over and over. If they, Danny Mayer, the famous restaurateur from New York, talks about the fact being the final chapter, as in how they dealt with that situation that was negative and turned it into we've gone so above and beyond that actually then you talk to everyone around you and say hey like they got it wrong but wow did they make up for it and you've got to check this place out and, yeah. and again that loyalty piece is really important there. i think that's so important and um on the topic of like algae apps i've come across another company the other day which was um and it actually really infuriated me actually it was um, a subscription-based model where you would pay £10 a month and it would it would educate you like how to use the EpiPen like um, about allergies and stuff and I was like why is this why is this company like charging people to educate their family and friends about what the EpiPen is and you can see if the family and friends have watched the video and I, I just like really infuriated me I was like you should be doing this for free like there's some amazing allergy advocates which could do this for you and I think I mean, one of the other, I mean, one of the ideas is that if your EpiPen runs out, it gives you a notification, but I get a notification for free anyway from the doctors or pharmacy. And I was just like, I was like, I was so infuriated by, by this app that I just wanted to, I didn't want to like slate it off on like the Instagram, but I'm, I'm going to talk about it right now. And I just think like there's so many amazing algae advocates that could use this, they could work with or collaborate with to educate people what the EpiPen is, like how to use it and stuff and like, the fact that yeah, it goes back to um, why people do what they do, and um, I'm I'm a staunch believer in in passion plus purpose plus perseverance equals progress, right? And if you're only in in the game for profit, and there's nothing wrong with that, there's nothing wrong with trying to make money out of something. And in fact, with a business like mine, we've got a huge ties with charities and associations, see like UK, Allergy UK, and Tasha's Law, all these different different foundations that we want to give back to. But we can only give back to them once we're profitable and we've got money to give back to yeah. them, right? So, so it's important. We've got, to, we've got to weave it in combined. And again, go back to the point we made a few times, people will see that for what it is and go, you know what? Like a restaurant, I don't mind giving them 10 panel because they're actually helping me out, they're helping the diner out and it works as a, yeah. as a system. But when you see companies, and I don't know about, I've never, I don't know what you're, you're, which app you're referring to, but that's the, by the by, that are charging for something or just... The actions be louder than the words, right? Yeah. You, you know, like there could be a way to monetize that, but like again, that's a service that really like it comes across the wrong way. Like you've always got to start with why they're doing it, and that's what people buy into. They don't buy into like Apple. Yeah, it's a great iPhone, but they they buy they buy into like the whole like story and the philosophy, and like obviously that the product is is great, but obviously they buy into that whole story of how it's going to make your life better or easier. And I think that I think that's so important that for any company or brand to start with why rather than the product. The, the product shouldn't go first. It should be like why you're doing it, and then the product kind of falls into that. And and believing that people will see that with what I've created and what the team yeah. will, will create going forwards. That you know, call me out, call me out if you think I'm going wrong. I'd love to know. Like I don't think we understand this. Like when you said to me about the education thing, that's something that I'm going to work on straight after this call. Like, I don't just, I, like, I ask for feedback from people. I've got a feedback form whatnot and everything else. Like, I respond to every single one and I will go, that's great because of this or we can't do it right now because of that or whatever. Like, like it comes from someone in Australia who's going and, and Costa Rica and all these other places. And then it's amazing when people give you constructive feedback, but it's pointless 
as you and I know, yeah. if you're in a company or any culture or uh, say, I had this in my golf club recently, they asked for my feedback on certain things. I told them something. A week later, oh, we'll get back to you. Back to you. You, don't, you don't give it again, do you? Like, yeah. again, like I want a constant dialogue. Like, I am not going to get it right all the time. An allergy will not get it right all the time. It's not going to happen. I'd be a yeah. fool to say so. But as long as people understand that the, the reason, the purpose, and what we're doing is, 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 is pure, call me out and call the company out when we get it wrong. And then yeah. we can actually get it right again. Because I don't want to get it wrong the same time again and again and again. If you don't tell me, and again, on, take allergy out of the equation. If you, people don't tell other people or companies why they're going wrong, some don't give a hoot, let's be honest. Like some of the big companies, they're just like not bothered. Yeah. But a lot of companies in the right companies, I often find this, right? I was going to do a whole piece about this. I will do tomorrow. I might like call burning issues. Like when I just have a 10 minute chat to myself <laughs> as to what I think yeah. I've learned or seen that week. And I've come across a company that have done phenomenal work in terms of like, not this, but similar work to like branded stuff, right? Um, you know, when you find out, similar to the, to the restaurant experience, when you find out about the company and quote to quote you, the why, the purpose, is when something goes wrong. It's really easy when, the, when it's profitable, it's a really easy transaction. It's yeah. when something goes wrong. And I actually quite enjoy when things go wrong because you then see, without all the, the money involved, how is that company going to react? So this particular company in question, like I wanted to change this and change that. And I was a bit of a pain in the ass because sometimes I like to get, I like to get things bang on, right? And um, they were great. And they even said, oh, if you order it like this, you'll have to incur this charge to wait to do this. And they didn't need to say these things. But then I'm like, you know what? Why would I go anywhere else? Because they've been great. Like I'm not a huge customer. It's not a huge order. And similarly, and you have as well, you've had experiences which have been unbelievably poor. Yeah. Oh, I can't bother. I, I can't, I'm not going to buy off them again. Like you just don't do it. And all uh, they'll say, Oh, fill in this feedback thing. We'll get back to you. And they never do. Yeah. Then you wait, you wait, you wait on that email. Then it's not there. And you're like, yeah. Good point. Exactly. So it's really important to, I think people need to understand, stop one voting with their wallets and two, like feedback. Like again, if the company doesn't respond to you, you know what they're all about. You know, they're just saying yeah. feedback because it's a nice corporate social responsible thing to do. And it looks good for a marketing angle but actually they're doing nothing with it, then maybe don't support that company and support the one that have taken on board and gone, yes, that's fantastic what you're saying. Um, here's why we can do it. Here's why I can't. I've gone through this process personally. I'm just going to have to walk here a second. Um, yeah, no, sure. I've gone through this process personally with, um, with the restaurant, right? So as I've been looking at the websites, I've gone, this is wrong. This needs change or whatever. And the ones that have come back to me, excuse me, once a moment, the ones that have come back to me and have gone, um, yeah, you're right. This needs altering. That's wrong. Like it could be saying it's gluten free, right? And yet the same it contains gluten at the same time. And I'm like, you know, those things are mutually exclusive. You can't have that. That's yeah, really yeah. dangerous. The ones that have come back at the CEOs and have gone, yes, you know what? We've totally made got an error here. We've, this is what we've done. So I fixed it. I'm like, sweet. And the ones that have almost tried to argue with me that I'm wrong. I'm like, it's not, you, you, you either gluten-free is actually a legal definition yeah. of 20 parts per under gluten, or you've got gluten. Like, that's it. And yeah. again, the way in which people have responded, you know, the CEOs of, not going to name the names, but the biggest companies, restaurant groups in, in the UK, that's told me all I need to know. Yeah. Um, and I, again, I've done this work, hours and hours of this work, not for the sake of allergy app, but because it would be remiss of me not to. If I see errors that are fatal, potentially yeah. fatal to people, how can I sit there and go, oh, you know what? Like, 
because I'm not making money out of it, I'm not going to go do that. Like if people actually understood, and, and hopefully they will, the, the hours and months I put into this, yeah, I'm not, 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 I've not made any money, and not, that wasn't the purpose behind some of the changes of this big restaurant change. I'm not going to go into them in detail, but I'm talking the top 30 restaurant change. You can probably figure out who they are, the 40. I've spoke to every one of them in, at length and explained to them issues with their menus, where it needs to be. And I'm not an expert. I've just learned yeah. this myself. And when you look at enough, like I do as a saddo, because I have to, I look at enough of these allergen grids, you start to realize and see where the errors are. So you become yeah. a bit of an expert and you go, hey, did you realize that like you said it's vegan, but it may contain eggs and milk. Now, whilst that's not illegal to do so, kind of someone who's a vegan or plant-based yeah. is going to be pissed at that. And certainly if someone goes, oh, it's vegan, therefore this is the biggest problem. It's vegan, therefore there's going to be no milk in it. I've got a milk or lactose allergy. That's a big... That's where the problem is going to be. And I just kind of want to, honestly, it's been amazing to kind of have you on the podcast, like um, to kind of talk a bit about like your story and your journey and obviously starting algae out, which is amazing. Obviously it's been great to, I mean, I've been playing around with it and it's been really helpful and useful. Um, definitely when finally the lockdown finishes, I can use it in different restaurants. Um, um, I just kind of want to end the podcast on um, actually more of a business kind of question. Like what has been, um, obviously you've been reading the Tony Robinson book, but what is the most influential book you've read, which do you read? Obviously it sounds like you read a lot and um, obviously get a, a lot of, a lot of kind of like inspiration and knowledge. I was, I was going to say, is, is it a book which has had a massive kind of influence on you, whether that's life or whether it's business related? I wouldn't say there's one particular book that I've read or one particular documentary that I've seen or whatever. But again, going back to my prerequisites of, of passion and curiosity, like for example, right now with the Black Lives Matter um, movement, I was like, you know, it, it's, it's quite personal having been Jewish and obviously forefathers being killed in the Holocaust and all these things. Um, I, I thought to myself, for example, like I don't know enough about this. So then I'll go and seek out a book or actually there's a great documentary on Netflix called 13th, talking about the 13th Amendment and, and how that's all been politicized against predominantly black males, but also other, other minorities. And so in terms of business or in life, like basically what I do and the reason that this Tony Robbins book about money is right here is because I'm, I'm starting to go, right, like if I'm looking to invest in other companies or other, other, other businesses or in the stock market, like how do I go about that? So it's just a natural curiosity. There's not one particular book that's like, oh, hey, presto. And I think, again, people that just read an biography like a Branson or a Lord Sugar or whomever, and they think, oh, I just follow these steps and that's that missing the point because if they did that again they might have much better results and much worse results you know yeah. so i think you just try and got to try and draw intrigue and principles from whatever you read it there's a, there's a good one by um ray dalio I'm not gonna know who he is it's d-a-l-i-o he is like um he's the equivalent of steve jobs is what it's called in the in, in the investment world so he runs the world's largest um hedge fund it's crazy crazy successful called i think it's called bridgewater if i'm not mistaken and he's it's called principles the book that i'm referring to and it's uh, quite lengthy but it gives him principles of like how he employs people why he does certain things and the big thing he talks about and quite a big a really important thread we've talked about is all about kind of transparency and um um believability and, and, and just being real like you know and authentic yeah. and these words are banded around way too much but actually if you're a company or a person that's um 
what the biggest thing I've found aside from books and films up again, just find what you enjoy and whatever. But the biggest thing I've found, or, or, or again, have that curiosity and go, what well, I, I need to know more about this. Or you see something or you see on the news, you read something, you're like, I didn't know very much about that. And like, just go after it. Like go down the, the important people the thing people miss is like, go down those rabbit holes. Like go down, you go on Instagram, you, you go through something and then go, who is this person? What is this person? What are they all about? Like, that's about, how you yeah. learn. Yeah, that's how you learn. Um, but um, I was get, yeah, one of the biggest things for me, and I go back to what I said before, the biggest change for me, so I, we didn't talk about it, but I've become plant-based and different things, again, through that iterational journey and stuff. But the biggest thing that I found is like, you, you get back what you put in. And again, it's very cliche, but it's true. So what I mean by that is, if you're like a previous business that I was involved in was almost, not quite, but a, predominantly to try and make some money and what happened was like people can smell that a bit like you know if you're a guy it's like a it's like a bad smell in it like a guy on a night out who wants to get laid and um a girl could see that mile off and i would say to my friends like when we used to go out like fuck we have a good time and if we're having a good time then they can see that and that's how you like that's how you meet like that's how you meet people yeah of attraction right yeah. and people again band around and I, I have my own views in this about law of attraction it works for you great I'll take the, 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 the spirituality and philosophy out of it and I'll make it really, really simple how I believe it to be. If you post on social media certain things, if you say certain things, if you associate, go and talk to us as well, but with certain people, whatever, what tends to happen is like those interesting people and the ones you want just come and go, that guy's interesting, that girl's interesting, that person's interesting, they have said something cool about allergies, like let's see who they are. And again, the naturally curious and passionate people will seek you out, like you seek me out and vice versa. Yeah. Like that's because... I wanted to know who's in the space, what are they saying, who are they saying, what they, do you know what I'm trying to say? So I think that's so interesting as well because like sometimes I get like people like DM me saying like kind of come on your podcast and you're like yeah, but like I've got to like really want to have a conversation because otherwise what's the point? I'd be people do it a lot of times is to promote their own business or um, and that isn't what I'm about. Like I'm I'm about actually having an authentic conversation and just a very down to earth conversation with the guests and it's. It's trying to get the, the best to share the best out of you, really, to like share your story so that you hopefully inspire someone like oh with the app. Sure. If you if you if you look at any of my social media that I do, it's so rare that I'll say download the app or if they, like even this interview, if you hadn't brought up the app, like I wouldn't have brought it up. Like I wouldn't have you look at any of the interviews that I do with the people, like it's just not what it's about. Like I'm just about talking to interesting people, learning from them and trying to do better and trying to give back more and um, I have a life mission, which is very, very simple and people might not like, it, but it is what it is. And it's true, which is just to, um, enable people to be successful, but you're successful and my successful and your girlfriend's successful and my cat's successful. They're very, very different things. And yeah. some of them are about losing weight. Some are about, I know again, come back a bit back to that apprentice thing, the platform, like I'm very fortunate that I've got a platform and I've worked hard for it. It's not huge in terms of numbers, but I get messages as you do all the time from people saying, hey, that was really inspirational. Hey, that was whatever. Like, that's why when I posted about meaningful relationships, I did it in a public forum because I know other people look at that and go, I haven't thought about that in my friendships and my girlfriend, whatever, but actually now I have. And I don't need someone to tell me that. I know it happens because long down the line, it happened all the time this to me, probably with you, who go, hey, I heard that. Like, it's a very British thing. We don't comment, like, share, and retweet yeah. people's stuff. But when you go out and about, people are like, hey, I knew that guy that did that. That's a great interview that's what it's all yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Like, we're having a great yeah, conversation. Yeah. It's know each other. And if one person, as you said, is inspired by this to start their own thing, to make an app better than mine, do it. Please do it. Like for sure. I want to, I want you to beat me. 
I'm not here, sat here saying I'm the best thing to slice bread. I'm just very passionate and have a purpose of what I'm doing. And, yeah. you know, that hopefully shines through. And I'm really thankful to you because I know I, I actually heard that try you had. It was at one of the allergy free from shows, yeah, right? Yeah. In a panel discussion. And we were talking about apps. And I remember looking, reading it. And, and I remember thinking to myself, I heard this. And I'm like, I'm going to prove that you're wrong. I'm going to prove them wrong that this will work and this is a thing. And I'm really pleased to say that you're open man enough to actually have downloaded it and give yeah. me your feedback. I know you'd tell me if it was terrible. And I know. And, and I think so as well. I've always been like trying to be as, like, yeah, as honest as I can and as like open as I can. And like, I was a bit skeptical, I'll be honest. But I was always a bit skeptical about um, algae apps because it was, I don't know, like it was, wasn't something I would necessarily use but I do see why it is very important now definitely with young people who might not ask for the algae menu like they've always got the smartphones on them and I think it's it's so important and if it makes your life easier then I mean that's that's the main thing if it makes your life easier and, and you're getting that information which you wouldn't usually get in or if you did get the information it's very complicated like you said it's it's very accessible yeah you feel awkward and on a date or in a business lunchroom with friends it just makes you feel awkward and the odd one out like Absolutely. And that's the purpose. Literally, our, our slogan is making eating out easier. And that's it. Like make eat out easy, making, you know, eating out easy. Like that's it. Like from the restaurant side and from the diner side and everything that we do is literally, is it filling, fulfilling that? And if it isn't, why are we doing it? Let yeah. someone else do it. It's very that's simple. Great. Hopefully that, that, that rings true to what we're doing, I hope. That's great, Charles. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Hope everyone enjoyed it. I thought it was really insightful to learn about your story and the, and get a bit more of a background of the app, which has been really insightful and interesting. So yeah, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you. It's been an absolute privilege. Thank you. <laughs>